and welcome to PCTY Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson. During our time together, we'll stay close to the news and info you need to succeed as an HR pro. And together, we'll explore topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, and real life HR situations we face every day. Dave, you have decades of research in HR. You've written over 30 books on leadership, organization, human resource. Why this topic? Why is HR so important to you? Well, first of all, thank you for reminding me, Sherry, how old I am. Uh, (laughs) Decades and decades. People say, wow, you're now teaching my granddaughter or my grandson. Um, I'll tell a story I've told before. I was on the way to law school many, many decades ago and took a course in organizational behavior back then, OB. And back then it was kind of a newer field. I got captured. I just got captured. The professor said, I don't have a book, read a novel, go to a movie, tell me how organizations in books or movies or in your life shape how you think and how you feel. And I, and he said, write a paper to show me what you learned. Well, I wrote 12, 12 page, 12, 15 page papers, one a week. By the way, I cheated. I'm confessing. I turned them into English because that was my major to law school, going to law school. Um, the sources of power in paradise lost. Uh, how King Lear organizes his world. And the English professor said, this is weird. And he said, that's great. Keep doing it. Beowulf, the ideal organization man, old paper. And he pulled me aside and he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go to law school. And he said, don't you dare. Come study organizations. And and I did. And uh the final caveat on that is two caveats. I called my parents and I said, oh, I'm not going to go to law school. I'm going to study OB. And they went, oh, that's good. You're going to be a lawyer, a doctor <laughs> obstetrics. You're, you're just, and I said, no, I'm going to study organizational behavior. And they said, what is that? And I said, I don't have a clue. Uh, my wife, final caveat, who's a great psychologist, um, PhD in psychology. She said, Dave, you have OCD. And I thought, oh my goodness, what's that? And she said, it's organization compulsive disorder. <laughs> You cannot see an organization you don't try to fix. Uh, we go to dinner and I call the manager over and I say, you know, I can improve your productivity 5%. Let me give you some tips. I go to church and I call the minister. You know, I can improve the morale of your, your patrons, you know, if, if you'll let me. And they go, uh, who are you? <laughs> so I, I, to this day, decades later, I like to look at organizations and see how they operate. I think they're a major force in our lives. And uh, that's my passion. NHR becomes the infrastructure for an organization. I mean, HR is hiring, training, developing people, building cultures, building capabilities. That's where the organization comes alive. I I love that you you mentioned your wife. And I suspect as you go out to dinner, she cringes in the corners. You make those offerings to people. There are times when she would like to not fly with me when we go on vacation because she said, Dave, the airline is tired of your ideas. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I can restrain myself. I can restrain myself uh, periodically. I just like organizations. I, I'm curious, Sherry, why did you get in the field? Oh, I love this question. So I've been in HR 15 years. Yeah. Um, I actually fell into the profession. I went to school to do um, youth ministry and adolescent studies. I was working in mental health and I had, to this day, I tell people the best boss I've ever had in my life. And he pulled me aside one day and said, you're working in the wrong profession, HR. And I was like, I don't want to be the policy police. And he was like, no, no. And he kind of went through my skill set. And so I I jumped in full steam ahead and have never looked back. 
you know, my why that really drives me is helping others have aha moments. And whether that's an HR practitioner learning a new skill or helping a manager see a different way to engage employees, that really excites me to be able to bring that new knowledge to people. That's so cool. Well, if you were in youth ministry, your boss was Jesus. So uh, right. <laughs> I assume that that's a, that's a pretty good boss. <laughs> Sounds like your boss and my mentor decades ago were the same. I mean, your boss and my mentor pulled me aside and said, don't go into law school. Yeah. You know, Come study organizations. And I didn't know what HR was at the time. I just wanted to learn about how organizations shape people's lives. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Of course. So, you know, as I was preparing for our talk today, um, I was watching a presentation that you did back in March for Hacking HR and a huge shout out to Enrique Rubio and the work that he's doing with Hacking HR. If you don't know what that is, I definitely encourage you to check it out. Um, but I wanted to read a quote or really paraphrase something that you said that stuck with me. In a world, in the world we live in, the environment is changing so quickly that the things that we have been doing right are now the wrong things, but we keep trying to do what we once did well. That really stuck with me. And I'm curious your perspective for the last 18 months of HR, because it's been nothing but change. How do you kind of sum up this moment right now that HR is having in history? First, let me uh, commend Enrique. He's got more. I don't know if you met with Enrique personally. We met and had a chat. He's got more energy and vitality than all of us combined. I, uh, I admire his energy and his passion and his desire to help upgrade HR. And uh, so I think that's real. I, I, I'm in the middle of putting together some thoughts, and I'm going to use a line that was used a long time ago, and nobody will remember it. It was a speech in 1964 at the Washington Memorial by Dr. Martin Luther King. And we all remember the I have a dream. But he started that speech with four words. Now is the time. Now is the time. I think now is the time for HR. I think now is the time for HR. The last 18 months, we've had a global pandemic. We've had racial and social injustice. We've had political toxicity. We've had economic fragmentation. We've had digital transformation 4.0. You know, we've just been inundated with issues that are all about people and organizations. Now is the time. Second, in November of 2020, the SEC required that companies put human capital as part of their annual reports or their 10K filings. I've looked through those. I'm studying those aggressively. No one has a clue what they are. No one has a clue. Some have a hundred words, some have a thousand words. It's all over the map. Intangible value, the market value of a company. We studied this uh, 10 years ago, intangibles that the economists and the accountants are looking at. They now represent somewhere between 50 and 80% of a firm's market value. Your market success is tied to the intangibles, which are about human capability. So I could keep going. Now is the time for HR to step up and to really reinvent ourselves. I actually think I've never seen more opportunity for HR. I just posted a piece on LinkedIn. I'm scared. Will we in HR rise to the opportunity? That's my question. Will we rise to the opportunity? The opportunity is there. I see some people on LinkedIn saying, Oh, HR should be a leader and get invited to the table. Well, I think that's an asinine question. We're at the table. I mean, and if you're not at the table, then then you're probably never going to get there uh, because we're there. I mean, the issues that business leaders worry about are human capability, talent, leadership, organization. 
boy, do I hope we in HR can rise to those opportunities. I absolutely agree about the seat of the table. We're there. We have to embrace it. You know, you mentioned digital transformation. How do you see AI changing or influencing the role of HR in the future? There's two paths on that digital agenda. Path number one is every company in the world is using technology to create digital information. By the way, I love simplicity. So uh, my PhD, when I got into this field, is in a field called numerical taxonomy. And if you know what that is, you should get paid uh, a whole lot of money. Um, taxonomy is the science of simplicity. How do you use math and, and the analytics and statistics to get simple? So for me, I love simplicity. So digital has two implications. On the one hand, every company I know is using technology to provide digital information. And that's the simplicity. AI, machine learning, internet of things, uh, virtual, all the latest technologies are really simply about providing information. Well, that's cool. So at Disney, they, if you've been to Disney, they provide information with a wristband so they know your style. Amazon is basically an information business. Walmart is an information business. And the digital provides information. And for the business, we in HR can be architects of how to use information to make better decisions. So we should help facilitate a, a business's digital information agenda. Why it matters, what we do, who's the team to create it, what a digital assessment looks like. And we can be facilitators and advisors on the digital business agenda. On the other hand, with NHR, we can now use digital tools. And Josh Burson is the genius in this area. Josh is just, we had a session with him a, a while ago, and he said there's 1,700 new HR apps in the last year. They're just, and all those apps do is provide information. Are we getting information that helps businesses make better decisions in HR? So on the one hand, we're facilitators, architects, advisors on the digital business strategy. And on the other hand, we're using digital technology in HR, not just to be more efficient, not just to be innovative, but to really provide information that helps the business succeed. Really fascinating. I, I'm excited to see what comes next for AI. I think it's such a valuable tool that HR can, can use going forward. You know, I was lucky enough to have participated in the eighth round of the HR competency model. Uh, so I thank you for that, you and your organization for that opportunity. I'm curious, what was one major discovery or change you saw coming out of that? You know, there's a lot we've done. Uh, we're intrigued and fascinated with how do you as an HR professional, wherever you are listening, in your car, exercising, at work, at home, in a coffee shop, how do I become better? I mean, it's a simple question. And so, uh, by the way, a lot of people have opinions, and it's so fun to go read people's opinions. Well, I think this, you know, I, I'm a student at Santa Clara, so I have a great idea. I, I think we need research. I love data. So for the last 35 years, we've collected a lot of data. We partner with HR associations around the world. We've done eight rounds of data collection every four to five years. And, this, and, and the question is simple. How does HR get better? In the last round, we collected data from September 20 through about March of 21. So the middle of the COVID crisis. Some interesting findings. We found, and I could go forever on this, but I'll keep it short. We found that there were five competencies of what made an HR person more effective. By the way, effectiveness is not just personal, I'm seen as good, but driving business results. So it's not just self-perception. Wow, I think I'm really good. 
Um, it's do you shape business results? Here's the overall logic. And we moved in the first seven rounds, we talked about roles of HR, strategic positioner, strategic contributor, credible activist. So back to my English major, <laughs> you had an adjective and a noun. The noun is a role, activist, contributor, partner, change agent. Now we start with verbs. And so, so if you weren't listening and you're sitting there, okay, how can I be better HR? Let me give you the very simple framework with two heads. On the one hand, you have to advance business. That's not right. You have to accelerate business. I got my verbs wrong. <laughs> you got to accelerate business. By the way, that's pretty simple. You could call it business partner, strategic partner, whatever you call it. You've got to accelerate business through advances in human capability. So let me just stop. That's a very high level way to navigate your impact. What do I do in HR? I accelerate business. HR is not about HR. It's accelerating business by advances and I advance human capability and human capability is talent, leadership, organization. And those two hands are connected with three links. Number one, I mobilize information. We just talked about technology. It's an enabler of information. I mobilize information. I get good data that gives guidance and statistics. A second link is I foster collaboration. I learn how people work together to become stronger uh, together than we are individually. And the third link is I simplify complexity. I love the complexity. I think in a world that's increasingly complex, instead of responding complex with complex, we respond complex with simple. So five skills, advance or accelerate business by advances in human capability, mobilize information, foster collaboration, and simplify complexity. I love to see how this competency model continues to uh, evolve and flex. I'm curious, you know, Harvard, Harvard Business Review but did an article, I think back in April, around, you know, the 21 HR jobs of the future. Um, how do you see some of, of those titles and things that I'm reading influencing the model? So I'll give you an example. There's uh, on this list, they had like a second act coach, a gig economy manager, a human network analyst. How do you see those influencing the model? You know, I'm going to I'm going to say something. I haven't thought about that very much, but I'll say my reaction is I actually don't care as much what your title or role is as that you deliver value from it. So gig economy, you know, it's not new. People have worked uh, from home. They work remotely for years. That was the 70s and 80s. The Japanese economy was built on some of that. Um, second act. That's great. We've had talent mobility. What I'm worried about is whatever role you're in, if you're listening to this, how well do I accelerate the business? When I think, what's the biggest challenge in my job today? And I'm going to be really concrete. What's the biggest challenge in my job today? Well, don't think of a person. That's not a good answer. <laughs> my challenge is Zariah. No, that's wrong. Um, my challenge is not building a, a career planning system, building a gig economy. My challenge is helping my company succeed in the marketplace. That's what it means to accelerate the business. By advances in human capability, Am I sourcing and getting insights around talent, people, individuals, workforce, organization, the culture, the systems? Am I bringing the latest ideas to bear? By mobilizing information, am I serious about new ideas and information? Am I sourcing research? Am I listening, Sherry, to your broadcast and other things that you're sharing? Fostering collaboration. We found a really cool finding in all of our previous rounds 
there was a, a role, trusted advisor, credible activist about you as a person. What we found statistically, and I love statistics, is your personal self, trusted advisor, credible activist, correlated with your ability to influence others. So we called it fostering collaboration with yourself and with others. And then how well, do, so for myself, how well do I take care of myself? How well do I take care of myself so I can take care of others? And then simplified complexity of all the things I could, could and maybe should do. What are my two or three priorities? Those kind of questions for me apply, I think, across roles. And the roles are going to change. I mean, those roles will modify. Where HR shapes will modify. But those competencies seem to be uh, uh, pretty generic across those, those different roles. Being that you're in the education field, how do you see this changing how we approach HR education? You know, there's a, there's a view that is uh, 70, 20, 10 in our field that came out of the Center for Creative Leadership. And I've talked to the folks who created that view. And they asked people, what affected your learning the most last year? 70% on the job, 20% coaching, 10% off work. We have a little different formula. It's close. 50, 30, 20. 50% is the previous 70. You learn from experience. So I think if I'm an HR person, get out of my comfort zone. Go try something. Go join a task force. Gee, we want to do business in, uh, in Africa. Could I join that task force if that's an emerging market in your company? We want to look at shortening cycle time for new product innovation. Could I join that task force? Don't just sit and do what you've always done. Learn from experience. Second, 30%, so it's 50, 30, 20, is from training and development programs done differently. I think often training programs were uh, tourist activities. I've been to South Africa. You fly in as a trainer. You get in a car, you sit in a hotel, you go to the training, you get in a car and you go home and you were a tourist. You never saw anything. Make your training and development a guest activity. Come to feel the country. Come to feel the experience. What that means in training is have teams attend, have business leaders present, have customers attend. Don't use case studies from other companies. Wow, we're going to learn a lot about what Unilever has done in social responsibility. Wow, that's cool. But I don't work at Unilever. Um, find out what you should do to build social responsibility. That's 30%. And then 20% learn outside of work. I think increasingly today, the boundaries between work and life get blurred. I learned a lot about giving feedback when we had teenagers um, <laughs> and how not to do it. Um, I still learn. I hope that HR people are active politically, uh, become involved in politics and learn. Join not-for-profit boards. I happen to be active in a church. I spent three years doing a ministry for our church in Canada. I don't think I've learned more than, than running a not-for-profit for three years. So I sure encourage 50%, get yourself out of your comfort zone. Go try stuff. And if you fail, that's okay. Um, failure is an opportunity to learn. That's a great quote by Carol Dweck. 30%, get the development and training initiatives that are not just as a tourist. You, you come home. Remember, a tourist has a camera of photos and they put them away. Uh, you go to training, you have a book and you put it on your shelf. That doesn't have any impact. Make it a guest experience. And then third, go explore new things. I have a friend who, who loves to repaint her walls. She's constantly trying to discover new signs and visions and, and images and just that kind of spark of creativity. 
uh, outside of work just gives you a sense of, am I curious? Am I constantly living in that world of curiosity? I love curiosity. It's something I talk about a lot. Um, in fact, I have a, a summer intern and we've talked a lot about curiosity and raising your hand and being asked to be involved in things because um, so many times I think we're afraid to even ask to be at the table. And I have yet to get a no when I've asked. Now, I might not have all the access, but at least I'm there and I'm learning about something new. Uh, I, I also want to touch base on trying new things. So we have an HR leader in our organization who last year decided to take ice skating lessons. You know, she's she's much older than me, but it's something new. And I think that concept of just being willing to put yourself out there and learn something new, it, it has ramifications in, in your professional life 100%. So I appreciate oh, you I totally, sharing that. I, I love it. And, and I'm going to ask you a question, Sherry. So when in a, and by the way, I believe if HR is not getting to the table, there is a whole other problem because, and there are cases where that doesn't happen because of business and HR. What should HR bring to that table? So imagine uh, again, really practical. I'm an HR person. I'm now invited and table is a metaphor for conversation. Yeah. It, it could be at a table. It could be in a car. It could be in an airplane. It could be in a coffee shop. It could be in my office uh, or it could be through zoom. What I'm, I'm filling while you get your answer ready. What could HR bring to that discussion? I think HR always has the opportunity to bring data to the discussion that shows how our impact can have a direct impact on the success of the business. And if we do that, I think we're winning. If you're an HR person listening somewhere, high five yourself, because that is a great answer. We bring data, so it's not just a random opinion. There is data in this field. I get so frustrated when HR people don't accumulate the data. That makes a difference. May I add one piece to it as part of my high five with you? We bring data on three things. People. Anything related to people, their competence, their commitment, their engagement. And that's not enough. We've got to bring data on the organization, the culture, the system, the workplace. And third, leadership. We've got to bring data about what do leaders do that combines people and organization that makes a difference. So maybe together we have a good answer to that. You're an HR person. You're involved in a business discussion. Invite yourself or get invited, which should happen today. It's just this is a crisis of people and organization. Do we have the right people? Do we have the right organization? Do we have the right leadership? By the way, that I and, and then you say, well, what does that mean for performance appraisal? Do we have a five point or a six point scale? What does that mean for what we train on Wednesday? What does that mean for my career plan? And I kind of go, those will sort themselves out. You'll figure that out. But when you get clear about talent, organization, and leadership that shapes business results, just to give those who are listening, our people, uh, a guide, we've created what we call an organizational guidance system that answers that. It's free, rbl.ai. You can go online, rbl.ai. And it's artificial intelligence applied to HR. Take a survey and you'll get a report. Where should I invest in talent, leadership, or organization or HR systems to deliver employee, customer, investor, community results? I think that's where HR is headed, bringing rigorous data to solve business problems and help them and help the business leaders be successful. I, I think between the two of us, we just solved all the HR problems out there. Well, I, and again, the key is that we have interns who will now make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, last question before we wrap up our discussion. 
you know, if you're thinking about young HR professionals out there right now, what's your advice to them? You know, I was asked a few years ago, and I've been asked a couple of times, and this sounds showy and it's not intended, to be a commencement speaker. And, uh, at, uh, and you know, most commencement speakers have a, a rags to riches story. Stephen Jobs, Oprah Winfrey. I don't have rags to riches. I had good parents. My life was fairly normal. But I do get to coach. And so when I, I gave the talk to graduates, the, the next entrance, and I posed for them four questions. And so if you're new in HR, and by the way, I asked these of myself, who's ancient in HR. Question one, what do I want? Define your strengths, your passions, your interests. How do I define success? What do I want? If you don't define what you want based on your strengths and interests in a realistic way, by the way, I wanted to be a pro basketball player. That lasted, <laughs> that lasted a very short time because <laughs> I didn't have the strengths. If you don't know what you want, someone will define it for you. Know what you want. Know your passion, strengths, and realistic interests. Number two, who do you serve? I think if we in HR and business leaders are not helping someone else get better, we're not doing our work. Leadership is not about your power. It's how you use your power to empower others. Number three, how do I build? What do I want? Who do I serve? How do I build? How do I build this culture, this institution, wherever it is that will outlive me? And number four, where am I on my journey? I love number four. And I'll, I, I'll take a little risk here. It comes out of a religious setting that applies to everybody. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. They made a mistake. And so Jewish, Muslim, even Hindu, Christian, everybody can remember that simple story. They made a mistake. They partook of the forbidden fruit. God came down and said, Adam and Eve, where are you? Well, for decades, I thought they were hiding behind a bush or a rock. And then it hit me. God can see them behind a bush. I mean, God is omnipresent. So the question, where are you, is not where are you physically? You're behind a bush. You're behind a rock. Where are you relative to your journey? Adam and Eve, you made a mistake. And again, take the metaphor. We all can live this metaphor. We've all made mistakes. Where am I in my journey? Am I going to give up? Am I going to be resilient? Am I going to grow? Four questions I would give a new professional. What do I want? Who do I serve? How do I build? Where am I? Dave, what great advice. And uh, this whole discussion has been great. I've learned something. And uh, I'm excited to bring this back to our listeners who will get to hear uh, this really great discussion. So thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. What a privilege. Thank you. I learned also, you know, it's, uh, I've been saying lately, I'm, I, I'm, I'm scared for HR because our data shows that the expectations are going up in the last 18 months and HR as a field is not always responding. So I'm a little scared, but let me tell you what makes me optimistic. HR is a choir of voices. It's not a solo and share your voice and other voices who are listening and, and new people to the field and old people to the field. If we work with each other as a choir, there's great things that can happen. So while I'm a little scared that overall we're, we're getting caught in some, some high expectation times, I have great optimistic. The best is yet ahead. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Paylocity, a leading HCM provider that frees you from the tasks of today so you can focus more on the promise of tomorrow. If you'd like to submit a topic or appear as a guest on a future episode, email us at pctytalks at paylocity.com.